The following program was made possible by Ward's Lawyers. Find us at wardlegal.ca. Well, it's so great that we're able to get together safely and outdoors. Thanks for having us out, Denise and Nancy. Not sure we'll have this great weather much longer. Glad you could join us, Kathy and Mike. <laughs> Let's have a bonfire has to be one of the most popular sentences of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> no, no kidding. <laughs> Almost as popular as, uh, hey, we're out of Doritos again. <laughs> yeah, that's just you, Denise. <laughs> right. Okay, we'll do a quick head count here. One, two, three, four. Yeah, we're well under 25. We're good. And great idea on insisting we don't talk about... That situation, we've all been bombarded with so much these past few weeks. Oh, a few months, actually. I mean, I know it affects both countries. Across all borders. Across all of North America. Around the world, really. We all promise, remember? (laughs) No talk about that topic, even if it seems everyone has an opinion on it. And the history behind how it was decided. Well, the whole subject always seems to revolve around so much... Darkness. Yeah, why can't we focus on strive for and talk about a brighter future instead? Uh, you know what? It, it, it's clearly the elephant in the room. Well, in the backyard, actually. Hmm. We can't avoid it, really. So, why don't we just get it out there and have an open, respectful conversation about it? Hmm. Yeah, I think we're all mature enough to agree that daylight savings time is... And you thought we were referring to, well, you know. Welcome to the program. My name is Denis Grignon, and I'll be your server for the next half hour or so. No tipping necessary. Dwayne Gretzky is a great band that plays big hits, but not in typical cover song fashion. My conversation with one of its founders and leaders, who also has strong roots in our community, Tyler Kite. How is the impact of all of this on us having an impact on our kids? We'll get some answers thanks to Jack Beach of our local branch of the Canadian Mental Health Association. If you've had a COVID test, were you, like me, just gobsmacked by how pleasant and professional those healthcare people are, regardless of everything and anything they're dealing with? Who are those people behind the face shields and N95 masks? I speak to two of them. This is your show, folks, about you for you. It's like a radio show on your device. It's the Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes. Yep, quite the past couple of weeks there, huh? But tell you what, why don't we start by talking about the weather? Because until this past Sunday, anyway, it was pretty spectacular there for a stretch. Gave us a few weeks of cycling. Peaceful, safe, and lately more solitary cycling. A time to well, roll away from everything for a while. There's a great video on YouTube right now evoking this. It's a man cycling along the Trans-Canada Trail in Kawartha Lakes, which you get to watch from above thanks to a drone camera. There's soothing guitar, his guitar, playing in the background. Now, the video is only a few minutes long, but it is enough to make you wonder, as you're watching it, what the cyclist is wondering what he's thinking just pedaling along here alone along these trails. Well, last week, Pierre Chartier was pedaling from his home in Lindsay and he stopped at my home for a while. Cycling means a lot in terms of uh, relaxation for me. 
it's not in terms of fitness, pushing yourself, it's just getting out in nature, relaxing, meditating, you know, thinking about the family, uh, having fun, uh, feeling the air, looking at nature, and uh, oh yeah, it's just, uh, it's just part of uh, enjoying the outdoors. Well, you're right, uh, cycling alone is totally different. Uh, but I think it, it gives me the time to, to, to think, to, uh, to meditate. But looking back, really to, to analyze where I am, you know, where I'm going. That's a very positive way to look at it. A lot of people would be cycling and, and they would be, as you d described, they might be depressed. How do you, how do you not become down when you're cycling on, on very quiet roads by yourself and you're used to being on your own? Well, I love music, so I tend to sing songs in my head or even, you know, like writing. I, uh, I love writing, as you know, uh, writing a book but also writing songs, so uh, it gives me a time to, to think about that, you know, uh, to... I'm not really alone, you know, like uh, when, when you're being creative in your mind, I think it uh, gives you a different dimension. Hi, my name is Pierre Chartier, and you're listening to the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Quartha Lakes. Perfect. Cyclist and a great guitar picker. Witness both by YouTubing Pierre Chartier Cyclist, or as you people who aren't native Franco-Ontarians might say, Pierre Chartier Cyclist, as he pedals along the Kawartha Rail Trail. His wife Artemis, a fine musician in her own right, plays flute on that instrumental piece called Flying Colors. Turns out she's also a pretty darn good drone pilot too. Thanks for being with us for episode 19 of the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. Please tell your friends about us. And thanks to our show's official sponsor, Ward's Lawyers. If you're looking for a lawyer, Carissa and Jason Ward and their team have you covered. Find them at wardlegal.ca. When those numbers go up, hospitals end up stepping up. Now take a moment to be extra grateful for that and also for the healthcare professionals who have since last spring been so, so busy administering those swab tests when we roll down our vehicle windows. Theirs is a task that demands a special skill delivered by a special type of person. Tab Carroll is the director of the COVID center at the Ross Memorial Hospital. Jane Barris is a nurse and team leader at the center. I spoke to them a few days ago, and uh, you know what? They, uh, they deflected any suggestion that there must be a gloomy gig. It's actually a positive experience for the nurses. Jane, like, you know, the team is pretty positive about what they're doing, right? Oh, absolutely, and the people that are coming in, they're doing their due diligence just as much as what we are, and I've told them that. They have thanked all of us multiple times over, and it's like, you're doing your part too. It's not just about us. Well, take me back to that time uh, when you were first starting uh, to, to do them, because as you said, it was it was a lot of unknown. At that time, it was very nerve wracking because we didn't know. We didn't know how uh, contagious it was, how many people were going to be sick, how sick were they going to be. Um, but I have to tell you, the um, the team jumped like, you know what I mean? The, so the RNs and the RPNs and our clerks, 
they jumped to the call and uh, we have not had trouble getting staff to work there because they, they really do feel like they're making a difference. They're relieving people's fears. Um, they're making it safe for people to have procedures. And I've had nurses who worked a long time in different areas come in and say that they, they actually consider this refreshing. People are happy to have their support. Uh, people are supportive of them. Um, when we were outside, it was a whole new experience for me. I'd never worked outside the hospital, obviously, especially at a drive-through. What was that but, like? Um, it was different. It was a big adjustment. Um, but once again, everybody came up. They were pleasant. They were friendly. Um, we did the job that needed done. We moved vehicles through. We had huge numbers some days. We just rolled with the punches and got the job done at the end of the day. Yeah, we had a lot of support, too, from our paramedic partners, and so yeah. when the volumes got really high, they came in to help us out, and, and so that we were able to provide a, a, as efficient a service as we could for the public at the time when the concerns were there. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, the paramedics and the nurses worked really well together, and they got the, they got the patients through. Yeah. As you mentioned, people coming through were probably just uh, um, polite and, and relieved that you were there to help them, but you're always just a little bit on edge, a little bit anxious about, uh, you know, did I, do I have it? So what did you do to just sort of calm people in that short time when they're rolling down that window? Um, a lot of people had high anxiety over the swab itself. So um, a lot of the people that were doing the actual swabbing likened it to uh, jumping into a pool with chlorine water and getting a bit of the chlorine, chlorine water up your nose and that the swab is very narrow and it's over within about three seconds. Did that work? Did most people? Uh... For most, uh, yeah, absolutely. And especially for the kids, they were really able to relate to the fact of jumping into the pool of water and getting some up their nose. So yeah, yeah it was good. Well, that's about us getting it. I want to know what it's like for you people. It's, you know, it's one thing for me to go in there and it's over and done with in like four seconds and, and then I can go about my day. What's it like for you to, to, to make that part of your workday and get used to it? One thing about this is a is a an assessment center, and uh, I can't say how much pride I have in the team um, because the swab is one task that they do in that assessment center. But we have some very highly skilled people there, and we have had them do assessments on people and catch some very serious illnesses. We've had people who come through, and the symptoms for COVID are so broad in general. They can be a lot of very serious things as well, and they've done assessments and sent people to emerge and found out they had heart attacks and they've done assessments and they've sent people to emerge and found out that they had leukemia and they've sent, done assessments and they've uh, sent nurse uh, patients on to other care and found out they've had clots that have gone to their lungs. So I have to say that the, the swab is a task that they do, but the whole nursing um, assessment that's being conducted uh, in paramedics when they're doing it as well is a much deeper uh, assessment and, and I'm very proud of the work that the team has done on not looking beyond just doing the swab but checking the patient as, as holistically as they can in that short brief encounter to try to avoid having something seriously missed. So you're not just there testing for COVID, it sounds like you were catching all kinds of things when people rolled that window down. Absolutely. In the fall at least the weather is cooler but we couldn't help but sympathize with you people in, in full PPE gear on those brutally hot days this summer when you're all masked up. What was that like having to work on those days? It was very hot. 
um, to say the least, but we were well cared for. We had freezies, popsicles, ice water, ice baths. We had everything at our disposal. We had occupational health and safety who would do air quality temperature. Once it met a certain degree Celsius, then um, if need be, we could actually close the center. Um, but otherwise, yeah, we just made it through it. How many swabs do you figure you've administered right now, Jane? Oh, I think we, I think the last I heard we were getting close to 30,000. How about you personally, Jane? How many do you think you've done? I would say probably 100 plus at least. Huh. Is uh, number 99 much different than number one? Not really. <laughs> at the end of the day for both of you, when you're done your shift and the, uh, the center is closed and you go home and you sit down and you can breathe, what's going through your minds? The number one concern for me is the safety of uh, my my staff and, and their health and the patients and their health. And uh, knock on wood, we've been at this since March and we have not had one COVID assessment uh, nurse uh, become ill and they have swabbed hundreds of positive people. Um, probably just um, basically that uh, the number of patients that we did that day relative to what we have been doing. Um, I have found that our numbers have kind of come down now that we've moved inside. Um, just, yeah, basically how the day went overall. Did we detect anybody that was seriously unwell that we sent to emerge? Sort of playing that over in your head and wondering how they're doing if we did and go from there. So it's a day where at the end of the day you've done your best and you've done your job and, and at the end of the day when you get home you can sit down and relax knowing that. My name is Tab with Ross Memorial Hospital, and you're listening to The Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lake. There are some things that other things cannot prevent from happening. Am I being vague? No, not really. One thing that carries on in Kawartha Lakes and beyond is hunting season. Indeed, hunters are hunkering down in camps as I say these actual words. So this is for you hunters listening by the camp stove with the wobbly leg that you promised you'd fix this hunting season in that cabin that, hey, look, the roof stopped leaking. The Advocate Podcast gives you a top five list just for you, written by one of you. Hunter and all-around erudite and good guy Mark Robbins of Lindsay. Here it is, the top five tasks to assume each and every hunting season before you actually start hunting. Number five, buy new camo clothes because, well, it's camo and you can't find the stuff you bought last year because, well, it's camo. Number four, get more fox urine because the dog carried off last year's supply or maybe some non-hunting person in your home buried it in the flower bed and then the dog dug it up and carried it off. Number three, splurge on extra earplugs, lots of earplugs because someone Okay, everyone, in the camp snores. Number two, wait until the last possible morning or afternoon to finally do that hunting grocery shop and ensure you do it while you're wearing full hunting wardrobe. Equally important, never ever refer to it as a hunting wardrobe. And the number one task to assume each and every hunting season before you actually start hunting? Review reasons you gave for missing deer last year. It's important, after all, to be consistent when lying to your friends this year. 
Hi, my name is Ray Marshall from Lindsay, Ontario, and you're listening to the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Corth Lakes. Any adult who has kids or worked with kids or been around kids, which is everyone really, will agree that kids absorb and retain so much, often when we don't even think they are. Feeding off, maybe even mirroring our stress, and there's been a lot more of that these past eight months. So how do we as adults ensure our stress and stressors aren't affecting the children around us? How much can they absorb? I met with Jack Veach outside the Canadian Mental Health Association office in Lindsay. Jack is the manager of communication engagement and education for the CMHA. If anyone listening has had or, or has small children, they'll recognize how just flat out observant they are and they observe behavior. Children as young as four or five, they're going to be aware about how other people are feeling without anything being said. You know, you could go to a schoolyard child and say, you know, who's having a good day, who's having a bad day? And without anyone saying anything, they can look around that schoolyard and say who's doing well or not. For a parent especially, you could imagine a child is going to recognize, well, my mom seems really anxious or, or frustrated or, or, or angry or scared or upset. Those feelings that they sense, they're starting to inform they themselves about how to handle the scenarios they're experiencing. So if what, I'm a, what kind of things are, are they observing then if they're, if they're not hearing the words? Is it... I don't know, body language twitches? Or? Well, well, absolutely. So let's think about it. Let's think about a time when, when you and I might be anxious, right? When, when we feel anxious. I don't know, Denise, have you ever been anxious before? A couple of times. <laughs> Once or twice. I know I myself have. Well, when I get anxious, sometimes I can get really irritable. I can get maybe really frustrated or, or withdrawn. And so my child and I, we're going through the same scenario right now where uh, something in our life is happening. There's a pandemic or there's just a stressful situation at my job. And as a result, I'm maybe short with my responses or I'm kind of irritable with what I'm doing. Or even the way I'm just making dinner or preparing lunches the next day is kind of in a in a curt manner, you know. And being quiet might just being be Being quiet yeah. even, not engaging with my child the same way. They're going to pick up on those behaviors and see that, okay, dad's upset right now. Dad's anxious. Dad's talking a lot about the pandemic or I know what's happening right now or he's he's angry with me or maybe more short with me. This is how we handle the situation when, the, when the issues like this arise. When anxious situations arise, well, this is what we do and how we handle it. That behavior can be learned just by observation. You know what? Our, our, we, I say this all the time. Our crisis calls are up 30% since the pandemic hit. Our call volume's up. Our rates of generalized anxiety are up. I mean, we did polling data with CMHA Ontario provincially, and we're seeing rates of, of mental illness increasing, not just even in Ontario, but worldwide. So for the child who's seeing this, who's witnessing this, uh, the, the parent who's short, whose body language is tighter, who's not engaging, how does that manifest itself into the five, six, eight, nine, ten-year-old? How do they, how do they absorb it? How do they deal with it, or well, do they deal with it? Well, that, I think that's it too. Is, is they're still learning at that age? You're still gaining an understanding. You're still developing your own emotional intelligence, right? You're still learning how to handle situations in life. And and I want to sort of preface it too. It's not it's not bad. Like it's not bad for us just to feel anxious or upset. And I think even it's not bad for a child to feel anxious or upset. I think what would be bad is if we never addressed it. So people can kind of say as well, if I'm feeling anxious, you know, I'm, I, I can be irritable or short, but what should I do? Maybe having that open, honest dialogue with your child to say, hey, you know what? Uh, Dad today was having a really tough day and he reacted to that. I reacted to that by, you know what, maybe being short or maybe being a bit temperamental or maybe being as withdrawn. What are other ways I, I could handle that? And, and let's be honest, when I'm having a bad day, maybe I need to spend more time with my kids and be open and honest. What I could strongly encourage for all parents, your healthiest relationship is having open and honest dialogue with your kids and just saying, okay, here's other ways we could handle it. You know what, maybe when dad's feeling this way, let's go for a walk together. It's not uncommon for parents to say, uh, 
when I argue with my spouse, I make sure the kids can't hear it. So what do you tell the parent who says, look, we, we just make sure anytime we're anxious about the pandemic or COVID, we, we just we don't bring up the word around them and we shelter them from it. So I, I think, again, too, we, we don't want to teach our kids that anxiety and nervousness and stress are unhealthy feelings or even that we can't talk about them. Right. So I don't want to say that we want to hide our feelings. I don't want to hide feelings of anxiety. But I think we can just be open and honest and build plans for how we would get better. So again, have a plan in place for yourself that when I start to feel anxious, here's what I do. I make sure that I get some fresh air. I call a friend. I reach out to a trusted professional. I, I do what I can to get care. And having that open dialogue with our kids too to say, hey, if you feel anxious, if you feel stressed, and helping them understand that. Because again, a four or five-year-old, they're not going to be able to understand necessarily what anxiety might feel like. But they can understand that they got a bellyache. They can understand that they feel maybe tense or their chest hurts or they don't feel good. When we feel that way, what do we do to feel better? Well, we get outside and get some exercise, or we talk to somebody, or we make sure we spend time with loved ones. Whatever is happening in my home, we're having an open and honest dialogue about it. And I'm not saying we have to expose our children to the, the whole gamut of what we're going through, but I wouldn't want to say that we need to hide our feelings. You know, if I'm feeling anxious, I don't want to hide that away. I don't want to teach my children that we hide our feelings. Having that open, honest dialogue. My name is Monique Malosh from Ward's Lawyers and Lindsay, your official sponsor of the Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes. We are, along with the Advocate Magazine and the Advocate Online, 100% local media. You can subscribe to our program for free on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and we, uh, we encourage you to do that. Subscribe. That way there, the episodes just automatically show up on your device. I'm not sure how it works, but I, I think it's magic. Yeah, that's what it is. Coming up, I talk to Tyler Kite, a Dunsford-bred actor-slash-musician who heads not your average tribute or cover band. But first, here's Tyler with an original number he co-wrote on a brand new album that features various collaborating musicians and comedians. The album is called Fog and Lasers 2. Inspiration comes in the weirdest way. Walking down the boardwalk, watching the waves splash, splash. They say the greatest songs, they write themselves. What are the words I want to shout? Open my mouth and uh, Just a taste of what you'll hear on the just released album featuring various collaborating musicians and comedians. The album is called Fog and Lasers. It's it's fun, but you uh, well you may want to make sure the kids are not in the room when you play it. That particular track was co-written and performed by Tyler Kite. Tyler grew up. Uh, I learned while speaking with him about two clicks from my place between Downeyville and Dunsford. And an original song is a bit of a departure for Tyler. You likely know him for fronting the band Dwayne Gretzky which uh, mostly plays other people's songs. But here's the thing. It's not really fair to lump Dwayne Gretzky in with those other cover or tribute bands you see in bars belting out top 40 tunes. First, there are like 10 members of Dwayne Gretzky, and you would have seen them at that big drive-in concert uh, a couple of months ago in support of the Academy Theatre. Now, sometimes Dwayne plays tunes that are true to the original version, but sometimes they're interpreting them uniquely, somehow managing that balancing act between campy and really, really fresh and, well, original sounding. Whatever happened to our love, I wish I understood. It used to be so nice that you 
Nick Rose and I, Nick is also from Lindsay, we are the, the leaders of the band and um, we have such different personalities, him and I. Um, I'm very emotional um, and he's very, uh, he's a bit more internal and, and um, he's very thorough and, um, you know, like he'll write an email out to the band and he'll spend an hour on it and I'll spend two and a half minutes on it. Um, but we, we are, we see eye to eye when it comes to crafting and doing, doing a project. We really, we know how to make each other laugh. When there are, let's say, conflicts within the band, which have been very, not many in our 10 year history, um, we both do a good job at just letting those things just play themselves out. ask you how do you decide when you're when you're doing covers you know um mm -hmm. if, if you stay true to something like uh let's say in your eyes how do you decide between you know staying as somewhat true to that cover or mm -hmm. sending it up a little bit like you did with uh the beach boys and and don't worry baby usually our live show is all we're trying to stay really true to the recording that people know and have a relationship with the goal being that we are going to make them feel something that, that that's nostalgic to them by staying true to the the details and the spirit of a recording for fun because we had never been in the studio as a band and to say like hey we've we've performed you know almost 700 songs now as a band let's go in the studio and do songs that people know but in a completely different way and we can dress them up in other clothes um, of songs that we have performed so for example that don't worry baby was very much like what if the strokes did don't worry baby and because we had played like a stroke song you know everyone in the band's like okay well it would go like this and 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 so that was just like a fun experiment that we got to go in and and be creative When we started as a band, we never started with the idea that we would go out and play shows. We were, Nick and I were playing in a band called Sweet Thing, and I was the drummer of that band. And we were, you know, rehearsing three times a week and uh, touring a lot. And it became like this. It, it was awesome and so much fun, but it, it was it was work. And so when we would get together with our friends and hang out at the jam space and watch the Leaf game, I would never play drums because I didn't want to. I would rather play guitar and sing. And over the course of about three years of this sort of casual jam with many different people, we built up a repertoire of probably about 30 songs without thinking about it at all. And So when we played our first show, we already had a 30-song repertoire that was like Springsteen and Tom Petty and, and Elvis Costello and Fleetwood Mac and all of these things. So a lot of those songs are still in our our regular repertoire. A lot of those early... 30 songs are, have been kind of the core of Dwayne Gretzky. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide No escape from reality Open your eyes 
in a way, the work's done for you already. The, these songs already exist. Because when you're writing a song and you're collaborating with other people, that's when things can get really murky and complicated and your ego can kind of come into play. But when you're just learning these songs that already exist, it, it eliminates that that confusion. And so I think if, if there is something hard about it, it's endurance. We Our shows are two and a half hours long usually. And when you're playing 100 shows a year, they can be long days of arriving early, setting up, sound checking, uh, waiting around, waiting around, playing two-hour sets with an encore, tearing down, getting home at 2.30 in the morning. Your, your voice, your body, all these things just kind of get beat down a little bit after a while because it's, it's, it's like you're a professional mover and a professional performer at the same time. You come back to this area and you drive past that elementary school in Dunsford or, or your old high school. I'm just wondering, does it seem like a million years ago, Tyler? Or what's, what would you be feeling? I'm, I'm very fond of all the memories I have from growing up in that area. Um, really strong community. Um, a lot of really great teachers that I have been fortunate to have been in the you know presence of for so long. You know, I definitely, as a kid, acting and stuff like that, I had an outlet that took me out of Dunsford and Lindsay and brought me into Toronto and then all around, you know, North America. Unique experience for me that allowed me to get a peek into a lot of other things that are going on in the world. And it made me really value coming home and being with my friends, um, sitting around a bonfire and getting into trouble as a you know a teenager like and my parents were really good at letting me kind of have that balance um, so I love it and the community there in Downeyville specifically uh, is still a community that I'm involved with and and love to uh, you know I've done fundraisers for the raise the roof at the Downeyville church and and uh, always try and make it back to the Irish concert I've been going every year my whole life and I hate to miss it because it's a really great opportunity to stay in touch with those people so i i love it i'm a really big fan of all my friends there and you know when i come back they're all like oh how's everything going in the big city there and then i'll tell them and they're happy for me but they don't really like care that much so it's just like it's like great and then back to normal and it's just always so refreshing to come back and hang out with uh, my, my best friends who are, are all still there so my conversation with tyler kite now, remember earlier when I said his band, Dwayne Gretzky, can interpret covers in a unique way? Well, Tyler and Dwayne did what I thought was impossible. They took a song by a band that I don't even really like, but somehow they made it their own and made it great. This is Dwayne Gretzky's version, and a much better one, I would argue, of You're What I Need. I don't mind you coming here Wasting all my time Cause when you're standing oh so near Kinda lose my mind It's not the perfume that you wear It's not the ribbons in your hair I don't mind you coming here Wasting all my time I guess you're just what I needed 
Hello, this is Tyler Kite, and you're listening to The Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes. Tyler Kite and his band Dwayne Gretzky with a much better version, I fervently believe, of a Cars song. Go to DwayneGretzkyBand.com to purchase their music and or a really cool band t-shirt. Tyler also co-wrote an original song for the newly released album of various artists called Fog and Lasers 2. Drop by and say hello, Tyler, on your next visit home to visit Mum in Norland or your aunt in Fenland or your friends out here near Dunsford. Theme music written and produced by the multi-talented Gerald Van Halteren. Our show's exclusive sponsor, the reason you can listen and subscribe to us for free on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, is Ward's Lawyers. If you're looking for a lawyer, they've got you covered. Go to wardlegal.ca. The Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes, is produced by me, Denny Grignon, with some help this week from our top five writer, Mark Robbins. Send us your thoughts and comments on the program. We love hearing from you. Follow the rules, folks. They're there for everyone's best interest. We're back in about two weeks. Mm-hmm.